And I made it a point to try and collaborate with as many brands that I've really enjoyed, like I, that I thought were really awesome brands. And and that's what allowed us to get people to want to buy our product because one of the first collabs I did was with Drifter Brewing Company. And we did Tropic of Collab, which was a pineapple IPA. And, and that beer was sitting in all the bottle stores in Cape Town and had the Drifter logo on it and had the RHBC logo on it. And no one knew the RHBC logo. No one would have ever bought that. But they knew the Drifter logo. They knew what was going on there. So they were like, cool, I know Drifter. I enjoy Drifter. Let's give this a go. And as a result, we were able to feed off feed off them. And I mean, that's the whole point of a, of a collab is to, is to help each other out in that regard. And as a result, Nick was um, putting stock into, into the PE market. Today we are visiting Gebercha, where Neil Cook is quietly making waves in the craft beer industry with his Richmond Hill Brewing Company. My name is Holger Meyer and this is Beer World. Neil Cook, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to be here. Neil, before we start, tell us a little bit about where you're from and uh, where you grew up. So I was born in Port Elizabeth, South Africa. I've pretty much lived here my, my whole life. There was actually a small stint. Um, I was about eight, seven or eight, that we spent two years in Ghana, so West Africa. My dad was building a few bridges out there. So we, we lived a few years there. And, but then after that, we came back and continued staying in PE. And yeah, that's where I am at this moment. And I've got no plan on moving anywhere else at this stage. Your your schooling and varsity, everything was there? Yeah, I went to St. Dominic's Priory, which was a Catholic school. Okay. Um, yeah, junior school, high school was there. And then went to Nelson Mandela University. It's now called. Um, and yeah, I did a... I did a degree in, it was biochemistry and microbiology, and I did honors in microbiology. Yeah, I find that many brewmasters hold a degree in microbiology or engineering. Yeah, well, that, that was the whole thing. I wanted to study something that I could use in the brewing field. And uh, I was obviously thinking yeast, and what, what better than to study micro, microbiology, which is essentially a study of bacteria and yeast. And uh, yeah. When did your interest in brewing start? I was, I was about 16. Um, it was actually, it, it all happened because of a school project, a biology project. Okay. Yeah, we had, uh, we had to make something with yeast. And I mean, the standard thing to do is bake a loaf of bread. But um, I, I felt like I wanted to do something a bit different. And my friend's father, Kevin Eastwood, he, he actually learned to brew from Lex Mitchell. He was brewing in his, in his garden in a shed that he built. And I went to Kevin. I said, Kevin, we have to do something with yeast. I want to make some beer. Would you mind showing me the ropes? And he was more than happy to help out. And we, we did a two-liter extract batch, uh, brewed that up. Um, it took it to school while it was still bubbling so I could show everybody. And, yeah, I got, I got good marks for it at the end. And, and from that... I really enjoyed the whole, it was just all extremely interesting. Mm. I loved the whole technicality behind it. And from there, I was like, no, I want to I do, do more of this. I want to do what Kevin's doing. I want to build a little brewery and do it all grain. Mm. 
So I then spoke to my dad and I was like, Dad, do you want to come help me make some beer? And he was like, yeah, sure. Let's go for it. <laughs> That's cool. And we converted our shed in the back bottom of the garden um, into, into a little brewery. So we tiled the floors. We went into like the, the commercial area of P North End, that kind of stuff. And we started sourcing all the equipment. And, a little, and we've essentially built a little 50-liter brew house. And yeah, my dad was my huntlanger. Okay. He, he would help me out and I would design the recipes and we would, yeah, it was a, it was a nice bonding experience as well. So, yeah. Fantastic. So, yeah. And then, and then from there, just kind of snowboarded and continued, yeah. just carried down that path. Yeah. So Neil, just explain to the listeners who Alex Mitchell is. He is the godfather of microbrewing in South Africa. Yeah, that's correct. I've actually never met him. Yeah. So he started at Mitchell's. Yeah. In the 90s. Uh, so he's a, he is the first craft brewer in South Africa. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he uh, he opened up, so he was Meisner Brewery, then he, or Mitchell's, then he opened up a, a restaurant slash microbrewery in PE called Bridge Street Brewery. And that's um, still going, yeah? That's still going. Um, he's not there anymore. I think he was more on a consultation basis, he's there. But yeah, I, I, every now and then he pops into the brewery. We have a nice chat, or I see him around, and yeah, he's a lovely guy. Get along really well with him. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah, that's that's a good piece of history. I need to get hold of him. Mm. Yeah. So, well, and what what is the the beer scene like in in PE? I, I would say we 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 are maybe about a year behind Cape Town. Maybe maybe a year and a half behind Cape Town. Two years in the sense of um, the consumer understanding craft beer and understanding the different different styles and all of that kind of stuff. Um, I think we obviously had a hell of a lot more education and we had a much faster learning curve in, in comparison to the rest of South Africa because we were so behind. I mean, you think five years ago, I mean, no one knew about craft beer in PE, six years, no one knew about it. But we learned and we adapted and we jumped on the bandwagon very very quickly and i think we're quite close to where things are now in, in joburg joburg cape town that kind of stuff yeah neil and the beer scene generally was there not a pub in pe that was one of the top draft outlets in the country i think you you're talking about barney's barney's um beachfront so it's, it's a yeah it's a pub is it maybe that's in P. They just had, I think, their thirty-first year, thirty-first birthday this year, okay. or last year. So they've been going around for quite some time, and yeah, they're yeah. busy. Yeah. yeah so it, I mean, Castle Draft obviously doesn't translate into anything. But when I started, it was very important to find draft drinking consumers because they were so different to normal beer drinking consumers. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Neil, tell us about when you started the brewery. If I'm not mistaken, you started on a 50-liter brewery. Was that the same brewery that you started brewing with your dad? So after after my honors year at uh, NMU, I had some bursary money that came through at the end of the year. They paid me out at the end of the year. So I already paid my fees and everything. So I was like, well, I'm sick and tired of research. I don't want to go into research. I clearly see that now. And, um, and I was like, well, let's me now officially pursue the whole microbrewing or brewing field. So I took that money and uh, I used it to get myself to Ireland and then also to Germany. So 
I worked in a brewery called Metal Man in Waterford in Ireland. Mm -hmm. And and at the time, it was a it was a brewery very similar to where RHBC also started. It's just a small scale, more more commercial side of things, not like a brew pub and all that. Their licenses are are not that great in Ireland. You can't have a you, know, you can't have a brewery slash tap room that kind of thing. It has to be just a commercial production facility. But anyway, I was working with Tim and Gronia. Gronia was the 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 main the main brains behind the whole thing. She had a she had a physics degree actually and she also decided, no, nope, tired of this, I want to make beer. So then they started up Metal Man. And and that's where I learned that's where I learned most of what I implement today. It was that was the transition from how to brew at home to how to actually brew on a commercial scale. Okay. And what are the shortcomings in that? I think a lot of the time you think, okay, I can brew at home. It's going to be super easy to scale those up and and create a business out of it. And I think I was lucky enough to see that that wasn't the case with working at Metal Man. And we were able to, uh, yeah, we were able to learn a hell of a lot from them. And they gave me a lot of free reign, which was awesome. So that was good fun. And then after that, I went to Germany and worked in a couple of the bra houses there. I also worked in a malt house for a little bit. And and that was that was obviously like that restaurant pub kind of setting where they were brewing just for themselves. They weren't trying to sell to anybody else. It was just enough for the to get the rest to to facilitate the restaurant. And after the stint in Germany, I came back to PE and I didn't really know what I was going to do. I had ideas of starting my own brewery. But I heard about a guy called Matt Repton who um, owns a restaurant, uh, Beer Yard, and he had bought a 50-litre brew magic from the States, okay. and he was battling to find someone to brew on it for him. So Kevin Eastwood, my mentor, um, actually had a conversation with Matt at the brew club and said, no, I know someone that might be interested. So he put me in touch with Matt, and I gave him a call. And we sat down and we discussed what what we what we're going to do. And his, his whole concept was the same concept that I wanted to do. So he just wanted to brew a nice, easy drinking beer, something that wasn't a Blondale, for example. I mean, mm. our Carlton John that we produce, that's our flagship beer. It was always meant to be something that wasn't just a plain, boring old lager or Blondale. And we, but we wanted to make it sessionable, so still retain some flavour. So, so you still get a good experience out of it, a bit of fruity character coming through, mm. but then you'll be able to sit back and have four, five, six of them and not feel too bloated. But anyway, we sat down and the and and he said, okay, we'll go for it. So I did, and um, took a bit of grunt work. It took about two years brewing on the 50 liter, um, selling to beer yard and then selling it on to the customers. Okay. But, um, but yeah, we got to the point where we had a decent following locally. We 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 felt that we had enough people to uh, sustain us if we went and bought another brewery. So that's what we did. We bought a, a bigger brewery. We scaled up to a 550 liter brewery, uh, which we bought from a local guy, um, Eddie Swat. Mm. He built that up In for Hellbrun. us. In Hellbrown, yeah. And we had three three 1,000-litre tanks, or four, no, four 1,000-litre tanks, and we started brewing, and in four months' time, we were at capacity. So, so, <laughs> so we undershot that one. So then uh, got a couple more tanks from 
I've got it through Nick from Drifter. He helped us get some tanks from China, some really nice tanks from China, and we got another two 2,000 liters. And then six months later, we were at capacity again. So, <laughs> so then we, we were then looking to purchase some more. And we got another five tanks, and that's kind of where we sit in at the moment, um, doing about 10 to 15,000 liters of beer a month. Mm. We do quite a few non-beer products too. So our Jane Doe, which is an alcoholic lemon de- lemonade that we do, we, that's one of them. We've got our own tonics. We've got our own gin and tonic mixes. We do a seltzer. Um, yeah, and with that, we probably do about five, 7,000 liters of that per month. Okay. And, and I think that's where we're sitting. We're going to stay there now. And I wanted to ask you, have you been canning from the beginning? We got our canning line from a brewery called Krugerbrau. Yes. That went under. They were in Sasselberg. Yes. It was a huge brewery. Uh, yeah. And I think it was just a bit too big and a bit too too soon for, for where it was. But they sold the brewery on auction, and the guy that bought it didn't want the can, I think, because cans are terrible. No one wants to drink beer out of the can. It's a terrible marketing point at the time, you know. So we snapped that canning line up. It was a cast canning line from Canada. We snapped that up at a really good price, and then we started canning it. So the shelf life of our beer shot up when we started canning. So that was straight away an awesome plus for us. But anyway, we got our canning line. We plugged it in. We had no support because we're in South Africa and the guys in Canada. And essentially, I had to take that whole canning line apart and, and learn it like the back of my hand. <laughs> I was spending more time... I was spending more time with that canning line than my fiance at one point. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I knew that. I knew that, and I still know that canning line like anything, because of how many times we had to fix problems, and, and there was no help. You just had to make a plan, you know. Yeah. Uh, but as a result, we were able to start hitting markets, hitting hitting bottle stores, uh, hitting restaurants, and we didn't have to worry about having. Poor, poor shelf life because as long as we just make sure that our cans are in a fridge, we'll get in six months easy on a wow. Carpark John. Mm. And 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 Carpark John, if there's any oxygen, any oxygen, like very much with other beers too. But because there's so many hops are going to Carpark John, as soon as you get a bit of oxygen in there, I mean the hops degrade so quickly and you the stales. So we've had we've been really able to negate that with our cans. Yeah. I, when I was at Munich at the uh, drinks tech, I actually mm-hmm. met the family or the CEO of that that company, and we spoke about the canning line and everything. And yeah. I said to him, "There's no ways anybody in South Africa is going to buy pay that much for a canning line." But I think 2017 was probably just before people started canning here. Yeah, I mean uh, the canning line that I got. It's landed from Canada is over a million rand. Yeah. And I mean, Greg Casey from Frontier um, and Afro-Caribbean, he's, he's putting out these canning lines that do pretty much the same amount as what I'm doing. He's like retailing it for like 300, 350K. Yeah. It's like <laughs> they were making a killing of us. Sir. Yeah. Uh, do you know who bought the, the, the rest of the brewery, that Kruger brewery? Um. I might be mistaken, but I think it's the guys that did root. Is it root 56 or root 46? Oh, uh, okay. And pot. Yeah, I think I'm, I might be mistaken, yeah. but it might. 
I Mikey, did speak though, to them. But... Yeah, I, I, I saw them at Clarence, and I, I think you did say that. Okay. Because mm. then we had our canning line got it all up and running, and I'll never forget. I got a phone call from the guy that bought the brewery. Like, hey, um, do you still want that canning line? <laughs> Is it working for you? We want it back. It's like, <laughs> it's like, no, no, I think I'm going to hang on to it. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, that's brilliant. Eh? Did did he speak to you at Clarence? No, 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 no. We 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 missed each other. He's crossed with you. He hasn't forgiven you. <laughs> really? No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and is Matt still a partner in the business? Yes. Yeah. So it's myself and Matt. Um, he he's obviously he he comes from a restaurateur mm. background. So beer yard, he's got a number of restaurants. So beer yard, beer shack, white tiger, Charlie's. Um, oh, Didn't he have I'm some chain that. before that? Yeah, he started up Valvatella. That's right. Yeah, so it was Valvatella, and um, that got bought out by famous brands. Okay. Okay, so yeah, there's so a bit of capital there. Yeah, so he was the capital, yeah. <laughs> But he's very much involved in the business. Um, and I normally I, I do the day-to-day running of the business, and, and obviously the beer side of things. He's 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 there helping, uh, plugging the holes. Like you know, customers are it's, mm. it's another creature dealing with the customer and with the brand and and the look and feel and all of that kind of stuff. And that's when Matt really weighs in. Um, very very helpful in that sense. Yeah, uh, Neil, tell me. From from the beginning, your brands just stood out for me. Who's who's the creative guy? So like our core brands, Cop Up John. So yeah. that's Matt. Matt that came Matt? up with okay. came up with Cop Up John. Uh, Turan Man, that that was me. I came okay. up with the Turan Man. Um, and then and then what 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 we do with our other brands, whatever, like our seasonals. Um, we've got a list. We've got a long list of beer names that we've okay. compiled over the years. And we, we call on those when, when the time is right. And we see what beer we're going to brew. And then we'll see, okay, now this name is going to fit this one well. Yeah. So, yeah. so, yeah, that's pretty much how, how we get to that. And then and then the design side of things. So we've got a particular person that we use for our core brands, like the Carpark John, the Jane yeah. Doe, Turan Man. But the seasonals, that's where everyone must play. So we get to play on the beer, and then designers get to play too. So okay. we, we, we use a lot of local artists, the local graphic designers, and I always give them a very open-ended brief. A lot of the time, all they get is maybe the name of the beer or the style of the beer, mm. and maybe I'll give them a couple of, like, um, like, I don't know, very basic concepts of what we might be looking for, but we leave it up to them. Mm. And, and it gives an opportunity for them to put their own flair into it, you know. So, and that's why you'll see all our cans, special seasonal cans. They've all got the signatures of the artists. Oh, uh, okay. It's it's their work, you know. It's not it's not essentially our work. Yeah. We we fill it. We fill the contents. <laughs> Let's talk about Carpock John. That to me sounds like a charity. Or did I? <laughs> <laughs> so it's Carpock John is named after um, uh, John Skippers, and uh, John he. He's been around for a while, and he's been in the surfing community for a long time, and he's he's a he's a big name in the PE surfing community okay. as a result. I, I mean, like he was surfing when there was hardly any houses out of J Bay. Okay, there's one of the originals, and um, he as he's obviously gotten older, he's always in the parking lot 
deciding whether or not he's going to go out for a surf. <laughs> you would find him, you'll find him sitting there and like, it's like an awesome wave coming through. And it's like, hey, John, are you going to go? Oh, it's like, ah, no, not today. There's a little bit too much wind coming through. Or no, it's not feeling right. <laughs> we find some sort of excuse. And as Roddy ended up, we already was surfing at, at one stage and he was just always parking off in the, in the car park. And, and as a result, people just started associating him with the parking lot, and that's why it was car park junk, because that's where you're going to find it. Fantastic. Uh, so we approached him and said, look, we're going to name a beer car park junk. you have any problem with this? And he's like, no, go for it. Have fun. So, <laughs> so he doesn't get a royalty. No, we do. We do sort him out each month. Um, okay. we've, sent him on, uh, we've sent him on a few surfing trips. Okay. Uh, not too long ago, we sent him to the Maldives, and he had a trip there. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, we Look, we try and look after him where we can. <laughs> and Turan Man, who's that? <laughs> Turan Man, it's actually, it's named after a beggar. Okay. So that's a completely so, so I'm, I'm getting I'm getting the two names confused. Yes. So, so Turan Man, so I grew up in Miramar area of Port Elizabeth and always going to school, there was this lean gentleman that would dance up and down between the cars and he would um, he would have pick and pay packets wrapped around his wrists and his ankles and he had a very lean dancer's body and he would do a whole jig up and down between the cars <laughs> and he would only ask for he would beg for money but he would only ask for two rand uh-huh. if you gave him anything more or anything less he would give it back to you or give you change or <laughs> if you gave him a 10 rand note he'll give you eight rand back and as a result i mean that's how i knew him was a two rand man and, and everyone in the area knew of him Maybe not the Turan man, but other people knew him as Dotty. His name was Gideon. There's a couple of other names that I've come across now giving this story to guys having beer tasters at the brewery that have grown up in PE. But anyway, it was just, we thought it would be nice to, he's, he's obviously not around anymore. I think he's passed away some time back now, but it's nice to just remember him because I don't yeah. think, you know, he brought lots of smiles to, to people sitting in traffic in PE. <laughs> Yeah, uh, wonderful. Um, if I look at your all your brands, and and I mean, I just want to make it a, a comment that I just it's 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 fantastic to see beautiful cans, and I love cans, um, but the branding for me is is so important, and I think it's the the impression I get from you guys is that you're not really trying that hard. It, just, it seems like you, it, it's whatever you do turns to gold. <laughs> Where other people have to graft and then nobody wants to buy their beers. And I mean, we, I used to have to beg to get beers up shipped to Durban. And I mean, I know, I know you, you're not really in the business of shipping beer around the country, but people want your beer. Mm. Yeah, I know. <laughs> But there was there was there was reason behind it. I mean, there there obviously was um, graft behind that, and I think a lot of it, a lot of it came down to the collaborations that we did, especially when we when we scaled up. Mm. And I made it a point to try and collaborate with as many brands that I've really enjoyed, like I, that I thought were really awesome brands, and and that's what allowed us. To get people to want to buy our product because one of the first collabs I did was with Drifter Brewing Company mm. and we did Tropic of Collab which was a pineapple IPA and and that beer was sitting in all the bottle stores in Cape Town 
and had the Drifter logo on it and had the RHBC logo on it. And no one knew the RHBC logo. No one would have ever bought that. Mm. But they knew the Drifter logo. Mm. They knew what was going on there. So they were like, cool, I know Drifter. I enjoy Drifter. Let's give this a go. And okay. as a result, we were able to feed off feed off them. And I mean, that's the whole point of a, of a collab, oh, a collab is, to, yeah. is to help each other out in that regard and as a result nick was um putting stock into into the pe market and it was coming off the shelves because there was association with rhpc there and there's our restaurants too that he could put the put his cake on tap and and that kind of stuff so i think i think i think especially in the early days it was the collaborations that helped us a lot mm. to, now to the get pr- that branding also that, helped that, and the beer yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a the trifecta hey? yeah you have to try and get it all right and you got to be yeah. you got to be a nice guy. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't help if you're not a nice guy. You shouldn't be brewing beer if you're not a nice guy. No, I know a few of those. <laughs> and you also very ni- you also do collabs with uh, Featherstone. Yes, yeah, so William and I actually we we're pretty close. Um, so William, so Featherstone has been bought by Intrepid Brewery, which mm. is William Yell, and. William was a avid home brewer and he won the first RHBC homebrew festival. Ah. Uh, and he won it with the, the Renaissance Kottbosser, which is a German yeah. historical beer. And if you win the RHBC homebrew festival, we take a recipe and you come and you brew it with me on my system and we do a thousand liters of it. So William was like, well, I always wanted to get into the commercial side of things of craft so he used that as a stepping stone to 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 test the waters mm-hmm. so we did a thousand liters he took it he, he put it into a couple of restaurants he had some cans that he did he got branded and and that's where that whole relationship started okay. so he's got his own brewery out at um gramstown way but then i'll i do do a bit of contract brewing for him for mm. to up the volume here and there yeah but yeah that relationship has been going on for quite some time now yeah, so I did a podcast with William. So his his story is up on on the podcast, and it's okay. and we spoke about it. Um, but it's and I mean I sounded surprised, but he did tell me that story. Yeah, I did. <laughs> and and the nice thing is that you sell, yeah, you sell his you sell his beer at at wherever you go. I I think mm. he said, yeah. Yes, um, yeah. Flowers for Rosa also sounds like a charity. <laughs> 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 that's with Paul from Kennel. Oh, is that with Paul? Okay. Mm, Wonderful. Mm. Yeah. That was yeah. a lockdown brew. Uh, okay. Well, the second one was. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And tell me about the the restaurants in, in the group that uh, Matt has. I mean, they sound fantastic. Yeah. So, so like the original one, it would be in beer yard. That yeah. was the one set up first. When he set that up, the only beer you could get, craft beer, was Boston. Oh, okay. And he was probably the first outlet in PE that had Boston on tap. And it was hectic for the PE market because we had six different beers on tap. Amazing. Couldn't believe it. Yeah. There was so much variety. And, and most of it was, was Boston, and there might be like a Jack Black in there as well. And and that's where Beer Yard essentially started with beer flights. So you come in, get a flight of beers, taste all these beers. A lot of training went into the, the staff to make sure that they can convey what they're tasting 
what the customers are tasting because mm. that, that was the biggest thing is trying to educate everybody and obviously Carl Park John slipped into there as well and and that 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 helped a lot there and very 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 much pub fair food good burgers good value for money that kind of thing you'll have a good drawl on on a Friday night and a Saturday then mm. beer shack opened which was on the beachfront and that that um, that that turned into a bit of a club like scene oh. and today it's also a bit of a club club scene yeah like during the day nice burger and a beer on the beachfront and then nine o'clock comes around tables and chairs get moved on and it's like a full-on club yeah <laughs> it's quite interesting <laughs> and then there's charlie's bistro or charlie's pizza and pasta where they um it's more of a sit-down kind of feel will be more family orientated really nice pizzas and pastas mm. coming out of there it's good steaks and then there's a new one that's just been opened up now which is village local which is a nice trendy bar with good mexican food is primarily what they're going for and yeah and and you obviously service all those outlets with your beers yes yes that's yeah, the point no, sure. Thank yeah you. Okay, let's talk a little bit about the other breweries in the in the area. Mm. We've spoken about uh, Bridge Street. Bridge Street Brewery, yes, uh, it's Lex Mitchell. Yeah, okay. it's about a hundred meters up the road from us. Yeah. Are you in an industrial area? It's like semi. Um, we're just off the harbour. I know. I liken it to maybe like Woodstock, Cape Town. Are you still at Beer Yard? I've moved from Beer Yard in Richmond Hill down into Barkins Valley, which is about a k away. And the and the name Richmond Hill is obviously the suburb. Yes, yes, okay. yes. Okay. Yeah. And then there's Carl's old brewery, Dockside. Hey. So Dockside is that was Carl Schlapphoff. He unfortunately is not around anymore. He passed away. His brewery has been bought by another guy, Marius, and uh, Marius is in the last year or so started brewing again and getting that up and running. Neil, can you name some of your top retail outlets? You've named the ones that you that are part of your your group, but besides that. Are there some bottle stores that support you? We're in most of the 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 tops, smart mm-hmm. tops, as well as most of the Prestons. Okay. P. Our number one bottle store in P is Preston's Mount Pleasant. Okay. What we try and do with the bottle stores side of things, um, when it comes to outside of PE, is we try and be a bit more selective as of, as to who we're going to sell the beer to. Because uh, harder for us to make sure it's being stored correctly and all of that. So we go to the guys that we know, um, know what they're doing when it comes to craft beer, and they make sure they look after it. So like Hillcrest Tops, uh, Tops Radio Corp in Joburg, um, Claremont Biggest Little Bottle Store, uh, Rulant Liquors, Woodstock Liquors. Yeah, those are those are the, the key bottle stores outside of PE that mm. we ship to. Do you do online sales? Yes. Is that um, working for you? It is. It is something that we, we push quite hard and we, we're trying to get more and more sales online because, I mean, that that is, as a business, that's one of the best ways to sell our product because it's going straight from our cold room to your door in two or three days. Yeah. It's, it's never going to, you're never going to get that when you wholesale it, you know, going to a warehouse, distributing to a warehouse, sitting in a warehouse and to a bottle store, bottle store to you. So, yeah, we, we've got a fully-fledged um, online store that we're very active on, um, and we're obviously going to be trying to grow that more and more in, in the future. But at the moment, yeah, it's doing, doing quite well for us. And can you recommend any couriers? 
So we use Seaborn Express for all of our curry. Seaborn. Seaborn Express, okay. yeah. They're not the cheapest option, what I'm trying to say, yeah. but I will pay it for the service that you get with it. Okay. Neil, are there any other suppliers that you like working with and that you can recommend? I've always had really good um, service and, and product from Africa Hops through Mark Furry. So I, uh, I've used him from when we started. I think when I, I was actually one of his first customers back in 2014. And yeah, always great service from him. Always great products. And he's always sending me. So he's actually just send, sent me some nectar on a new New Zealand hop that's, that's, that's come onto the market. So I actually just finished the recipe today. We're going to be brewing a session IPA with Nectaron. Okay. So looking forward to that. Um, Beer Guevara, always, um, always work with them, with Ant, uh, on the malt side as well as on the hop side. Sometimes we get a bit of hops from them too. Bev Plus, I get most of my Pilsner malt from them. Uh, I, I just use liquid yeast in the brewery and I get all my liquid yeast from Chris at uh, Liquid Culture in Bloom. And yeah, I must say I've had great success with this stuff. I've been burnt in the past with liquid yeast, but such wood, haven't had any issues and I've only had really good results so far. Neil, thanks very much for your time. Thanks for joining me today. It was lovely catching you in Clarence the other day. Yes. Um, and I got a chance to taste all your beers. But I, I do feel like mm. I should go to Hillcrest Tops now and buy at least one of each of your beers and taste them tonight. <laughs> yeah, I think you must. Thank you for listening to our stories here online. In the show notes, you will also find a link where you can subscribe to become part of our community and be notified when we upload our latest content.